0: Do you want to learn how to remote view? Now is your chance. The International Remote Viewing Association is offering eight weeks of remote viewing classes instructed by my friend, Michelle Freed. Don't miss this once in a lifetime opportunity starting Saturday, September 3rd, 10 a.m. Pacific. The course is only $150. And for members of the IRVA, it's only 110 Just visit irva.org slash events slash registration to sign up now. If you're listening to this on any audio podcast platform, I highly suggest viewing the episode from a video platform. It's available on Rockfin, Odyssey, and YouTube. Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Tonight my guest is Nick Hayes. Before I bring him on, I have to thank C60 Purple Power. This may be the most powerful antioxidant known to man. Acts as a free radical sponge, eliminating toxins in the body. After I started taking C60 within about a month, I started feeling better, and now I feel amazing. I feel better than I've felt in years. So many benefits, more energy, Unexpected weight loss. Um, I sleep better. There's so many benefits that you should check out for yourself. Uh, Go to their website to check out more, or you can just click the link in the description or visit c60purplepower.com. If you click the link, you're going to get 10% off your order plus free shipping. If for some reason that link doesn't work, you can use coupon code Knowledge10. Uh, And you will get the same discount. So be sure to check that out. Also, please subscribe to Forbidden Knowledge News on LBRY.tv. It's our official backup channel. Uh, We also are always on all popular podcast platforms. Um, please check out our new show exclusively on Rockfin called Beyond Classified. You hear me talking about that all the time. Amazing new platform for free thinking content creators. <clears throat> and finally, get your tickets right now to Forbidden Knowledge NewsCon 2021. It's going to be this April 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, coming up next month. We're going to have 12 extraordinary presenters. Uh, visit our website, Forbidden Knowledge News. Check out the lineup and Everything that they're going to be talking about, and get your tickets right now. It's only $29.99 for the full three day conference. You do not want to miss that. Today, I want to welcome to the show Nick Hayes. He is a UK based author and photographer who has spent the last 10 years photographing and filming the infrared and ultraviolet parts of the electromagnetic spectrum documenting the strange invisible life forms, craft-like objects, and other phenomenon that appear to be existing just beyond the range of normal human sight. In September 2016, his first book, Quest for the Invisibles, was published by The Book Tree in San Diego and was soon followed by the launch of, of the Quest for the Invisibles website, which was set up as a platform to present new photographic evidence and information on photographing invisible phenomenon. He continues on with his photographic work, as well as doing occasional shows and talks at UFO and paranormal conferences. Nick, welcome. How are you doing today?
1: I'm oh, very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on the
0: show. Yes, thanks for coming on. This is going to be a fascinating discussion. Um, you know, I know the human eye only sees about 2.5% Of the electromagnetic spectrum and there could be life everywhere just beyond the spectrum of our vision and your book the quest for the invisibles takes a look at what may what we may be getting a glimpse of in the sky when we're seeing a UFO or any something you know anomalous or lights or some kind of plasma event Um, and you even have some pictures that we're going to share a little later First, I'd like to start off with what got you interested in this and looking at this phenomenon?
1: Well, I've always always been into the UFO phenomenon, even when a kid when I was a lot lot younger watching television and all the sci-fi movies. But um, I was just taking my dog for a walk one night. It was a really foggy, misty night, freezing cold. And my little dog, he was only about six months old at the time, Alfie, And uh, he wanted to go back down an alleyway. We'd just gone down. And um, I was so cold, I nearly said, no, let's go. But I took him down. And while he was sniffing around, I just happened to be looking up at the sky and I saw a pinky orange glow coming about 200 foot off the ground and about 200 feet away. Slowly, 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 and it kept disappearing and then slowly coming back because it's, the mist was so thick. And it got nearer and nearer and nearer. And uh, I was like, what the hell is that? You know, it was totally silent. And what happened was just as about as it passed over the top of me, um, there's a thinner band of mist and I saw it in its entirety. And it had a dome, like a domed top and a domed, bottom, domed sort of bottom. And it was pulsating and moving about sort of walking pace. And it just about went over the top of me, but it seemed to be breathing. And it seemed as if it was alive. And I couldn't understand it. At first I thought it was a craft, but the more I looked at it, it reminded me of one of those bioluminescent life forms that you get, you know, in the deep dark ocean. And it just puzzled me. Um, and it was later on that I discovered the work of Trevor James Constable and the bioforms he'd captured in the infrared. So I felt well, to me, that was an explanation of what I'd seen because I was convinced that it was... A creature rather than a, you know a craft of intelligent design um and up until i'd read the books by trevor jones constable i've not even conceived of the idea that ufos could be anything other than interplanetary spacecraft so it disturbed me greatly um, and i thought well i've got to go out and film more of these things And i thought well how am i going to do it and i began reading trevor's book and um some of the interaction methods he used and bit by bit my family helped me to buy my first infrared camera and then i moved on to an ultraviolet um, video recorder and it's just sort of gone on from there but you know i spent what's well, nearly 10 years now i mean sometimes i'd be filming multiple cameras camcorders you know, seven seven days seven hours a day sometimes five six seven days a week and some of these things were just on like one you know they hardly appear on time filming sometimes at 150 you know 50 frames per second and 25, 25 frames per second and these things are appearing on just one frame and i use a Geiger counter as well as a detection device but there's many different types of um ufo photography i do and other you know more paranormal type of photography um daytime and nighttime um and we'll see later when we see the selection of photographs and uh, i can go through some of the techniques i use for um for taking them
0: yeah but that's what really got
1: me into it so that, that's what it just i became obsessed with it um because it just it's a life-changing event when you see something um that close and and it almost almost looked familiar. It was very strange. It, it disturbed me, you know. When I close my eyes, even even now, and think of it, it's I wouldn't say it sends a shudder down me, but it is, it's it's a very, very, very strange thing. And up until that point, I'd heard people, you know, witness UFOs, and I had no reason to disbelieve them because I believed it was true, you know. But seeing it myself, it just changed my life. My, my life stopped, and I became obsessed with um, quest for the invisibles, really, just to try and prove Trevor was right over and over and over again because of the lack of. There's a lot of things about Trevor on, on the internet, but his work has never been taken that seriously by the scientific community or even the UFO community uh, at a certain point.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, Trevor then. For those that, you know, aren't familiar with his work, could you tell us a little bit about, more about, you know, what he was doing in his research?
1: You know, Trevor was Trevor constable. Um, he was a military historian, written several books um, on fighter races. And he went into the desert, um, Mojave Desert, um, in 1957, using a standard camera loaded with um, infrared-sensitive film. And he was able to photograph um, amoeba-like bioforms existing in the infrared. And he carried on with his work for many, many years, and he photographed a whole range of ovoid bioforms, and um, some of them looking very amoeboid bioforms with things that look like vacuoles. And, you know, he became more and more convinced that a lot of the UFOs were actually uh, these plasmatic beings, Um, especially a lot of them um, were cigar-shaped, a lot of them were sort of saucer-shaped. Um, So he he released his first book in 1958, which was They Live in the Sky, and that covered sort of a lot of his work in the desert. But the the book he's probably known more for is Cosmic Course of Life, um, which was released about 1978, I believe. And then I I managed to get the the re-released version in 2008. Um, So he basically um, pioneered that type of UFO photography, and uh, he originally used to use the star exercises and traction technique. Um, and later ended up using the, the cloudbuster, and then finally gave the UFO thing up, sort of in the mid seventies, and went on to weather modification. Um, some more studies with metheric um, energy.
0: And he um, called some of these life forms argonotic um, bioforms. Is that right?
1: Critters, yeah. He mainly called them critters, but but yeah, yeah. It was speculation they were, you know,
0: organotic in a and sense. What um, is what is ergonotic? Can you explain exactly what that is? Yes, the
1: argon energy. That, that, Help us to manipulates organ energy, which is sort of life energy, which is everywhere, which bounces off things. And when you put steel tubes grounded in running water, it tends to create a, a drawing effect, and it can unstick the clouds. It, it manipulates the organ energy potential in the atmosphere, and these creatures sort of come to it. And it, it's, it's just that I use a Geiger counter to detect these things, and it's almost like a, when these things appear, you get a really high Geiger counter reading. It's like some kind of unknown radiation. And it's whether or not they're made of organ or they're actually giving off a high organ charge, like an excited organ charge, it's actually life energy. But it's almost like, I believe they may be manifesting in that rather than carbon-based existence. They're manifesting in like heat substance, a, a plasmoidal form.
0: Now, have um, you experienced any um, intelligence or observed any intelligence coming from these life forms, like uh, in any interactions or anything like that?
1: yes in the last couple of years there's some pictures that i've taken of some really massive life forms that are colored blue um big triangular looking things they are um, i sent them in the photographs to you earlier now that blue should not appear there and blue is the color of organ now that was taken with a uh, um but these things i sensed they were there i got a taste in my mouth a metallic taste i got Geiger counter hits but i was sitting in my room and i got the feeling i was being watched and i went straight outside and got my camera set it up on the tripod and just took lots and lots of really long infrared exposures anything up to 30 seconds at a time. And I knew they were there. I couldn't sort of perceive them, but I knew they were there. Um, and I took I photographed the same thing. I took a series of 20 second exposures and a series of 10 second exposures. And I, I caught this same object and it had grown in size and all the markers on it were there. Um, I've had a lot of instances like that where I suddenly, a lot of it's not like by intuition. I suddenly i on being watched or I feel something's there. So I'll just take scores of photographs and at night it's generally by Geiger counter. Um, I set the Geiger counter far beyond, well, not far beyond, but it measures in microservice per hour, and the normal reading here is sort of like um, um, 0.7 microservice per hour to 0.12. And I set mine for 0.20, and it should never go that high. But these are really high bursts that go even beyond that. And uh, so I carry the Geiger counter, and whichever direction I'm aiming the Geiger counter, I take photographs in that that direction. Um, If I'm taking long exposures, I'll set it up on on a tripod. Or, or I'll film something like 180 or 160th of a second and have it pressed hard to my chest. By I'm filming in darkness unless I get multiple repeats and I know something's near to me, uh, like a series of entities that I managed to film. I use the flash, the normal standard flash. And we seen for a camera and you see the small part of the red that appears before the red of the visible spectrum because it's, you know, it's an infrared filter, locks everything else up to red. So the blue color of these objects shouldn't even appear on there. And you can see that there's white that's been picked up from long exposure from the street lamps in the distance. That's white. So it's just how it should be, black and white photo. But these things are appearing blue. So they've obviously put themselves, mostly ingrained themselves somehow on, onto the, you know, onto the camera. It's very strange. But I really sensed they were talking to me. They were telling me they were there. And I filmed a whole series of things going on for about four nights. Same time every night I was out there. I filmed a portal opening. And every photograph had a different color. I saw a whole spectrum of color, which is something Trevor James Muscle talked about, the reverse spectrum um, of color, which appears sort of in the infrared. Um, I, I've got this portal opening and sort of like closing, changing colors. I, I filmed, filmed, I think there's another bioform, a huge one with another one. Bio. I think I will setting that as a photograph. The infrared yeah, I'm,
0: gonna, I'm about to start to pull up uh, each of these photos. And as we go through them, you can kind of tell us what they are. Um, mm. <clears throat> now, as you kind of photograph through different spectrums are you getting different types of entities in different spectrums like you know versus uh our the spectrum we can see in versus like an ultraviolet spectrum
1: yeah well i film it's a different method when i use the ultraviolet i use the, the sun obliteration technique and i film directly at the rooftop and use the top of the roof to <clears throat> block the sunlight out and um, through the view of the camcorder this creates an area which I refer to as the uh, illumination zone. There's anything passing through it or just above it is illuminated for a fraction of a second. And um, these things come like flying by real quick. And they're not just, they may look like they're directly above the roof, but they're a lot higher. But I'm basically coming 45 degrees. It's a totally different way of filming. But I've caught a lot more fish like forms and things in the ultraviolet. Um, it's, it varies really. I film in the daytime in the ultraviolet, but in the, sorry, in the infrared. But a lot of stuff seems to be sort of quite high in the sky.
0: Now, uh, can you see my screen here? Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. This was my infrared
1: Canon G10. Um, What happened was I filmed, I started off in the infrared, managed to capture a lot of things high in the sky and uh, wasn't that impressed. So I began using, um, filming in the ultraviolet. This went on for nearly three or four years. Then immediately after that, um, around the time my cat died, I decided to go out for two years every single night. I'd be carrying a guide counter in one hand when I walked the dogs and the camera in the other. And I filmed and I I took photograph after photograph after photograph. This was a Geiger counter hit that I got while I was going out the gate. And again, I I felt something that you kind of know. So I just took multiple photographs and this is something that appears. And the reason it's red is because it's um, the automatic setting and that tends to lean towards the red of the visible spectrum. Um, But I normally set it to green grass in daytime situations and the colour green. And that gives you that sort of like white colour that you, you see in daytime in the infrared. But this has got a slight red glow to it because it's um sort of leaning towards the red but this is typical of the plasmoidal like um objects that I've captured and you know and also captured by people like the G r c u the Italian research group which um I wrote a paper a while ago I co-wrote a paper should i say um in defense of constable's work um, positive findings on constable's organotic biforms with my friend um organmist or- uh, Southgate and uh, we mentioned the G r c u in there so if people uh, haven't heard of them that some of the best footage in that paper. Um, but they caught a lot of things like this, plasmoidal light things that were there in one, you know they're there for one second and then they're gone. Um, that's just one good example. Um, yeah, I'd let like me some, uh, pull up the
0: next one here. I'm gonna just share my yeah. whole screen here. Let's see. I use um, a
1: flash if I think they're near enough. Sometimes these things aren't visible in the infrared unless they're slightly lit up by light.
0: Okay, can you see the second one here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another example. Yeah, that was
1: taken around the side of the house. Um, I was walking down alongside the house, started getting a feeling of something above the house. So I took loads and loads of different photographs. Um, I used a flash in this case to try and light it up because, as I say, some of these things don't appear in the infrared um, unless they're lit up, um, either by infrared light or, you know, or light from the camera. And it seems just enough to light them up in the infrared sometimes. The infrared camera doesn't see the full flash, the full, you know, the full colours that make up white light. It only sees a small part because it's seven. And if you're, if
0: you're just looking in the sky, you don't see this at all, right? I don't
1: see anything at all. No, no. I just get the sense. I just get the sense um, at nighttime. Now, this is, um, this is a very high Geiger counter reading. This is a series of, um, I think, two or three photographs I took. I've got a massive Geiger counter reading just as I was sort of going through the gate. And we've got some tall trees sort of at the edge of my, my garden and what I call my research area, which is a field next to it. So I suddenly just aimed the camera up there and I took three photos, one after another. Um at one eighth of a second, no flash, pitch dark. Um, this was the middle photo. Um, very interesting. A lot of strange things on this. Um, there's like it looks like loose wire at one end. It's very strange. There's lots of un- unlit sections and there's something else at the top. Um I've right. got a massive, I've got like a point, I think, I think it went up to point five on the Geiger counter, which is very, very high just for an instant. But um it kept happening. So I think it was going round and round. Do you believe these the,
0: are some sort of <laughs> plasma entities?
1: No, this is part of some massive craft. This picture actually ah. continues on. Um, to the left, it carries on. There's another bar that goes along there and comes off at a different angle. And there's another thing at the top. This seems to be part of a structured light thing. These, are, these aren't a continuation of lights. If you put these over each other, if you trace them, you'll find they're not the same shape. And you can yeah. see several on these sections. This is still something very strange. Um, and I've got a massive bow counter here. So I took the first photograph and this appeared in the second. So they don't always appear straight away. The Geiger counter warns you that they're on the way. And they travel quite fast, a lot of them. So, you know, you take a, a whole series of photographs, like, you know, constantly. And this is another Geiger counter one. Um, where I was walking my dogs. Um, I took it. There's about six or seven of these that make up the picture. But it's such a wide photograph and the others are quite dim. So I've only shown the four. Um, and I think there's another photograph of these in more detail. Uh, um, next to it, yeah, yeah, it's the same four entity, that's it, yeah, um, you can see how different they are, but these were sort of like a, about six or seven of them really high in the sky, but i still got quite a high guide counter reading, so I just took lots of photographs in pitch darkness, no flash straight into the sky above me, and um this was on about I think the fourth photograph or something they appeared, um and you you know one eighth of a second, you can see the trail within that one eighth of a second movement of that, so um, right. Now, these, um, are, are, are you
0: when you're filming these? Can you see these moving? Some,
1: not very often. No, I do, do see things in the visible spectrum, and sometimes they disappear. Um, but I didn't see any of those. No, I was very surprised that I even caught anything. These are just examples um, taken. I got another camera, next next 5n camera, um, and I was again. I carried on going out every night. I think this was 2018. I was taken, Yeah, but these are just examples of some of the strange shapes that I've caught um, in the sky. You know, just from Geiger counter. Hits, you know, I'm going to set it That's to buzz cool. so you know, don't, don't alert people too much if I'm walking down the street. But yeah, uh, you know, what I'm saying it's I quick buzz, so it's just like sort of you know, so most of the time I catch nothing. Now, this is a strange one. This is taken down some, um, some garages at the rear of where I live, and it was taken in pitch darkness again, no flash. And it's a, it was, you're taken using a tripod, and so one second exposure, and there's no light source in this again, and you can see the mist dripping off the it's like an invisible luminous mist moving through the forest sort of area and you can see it dripping off the off the leaves but you know all i saw was pitch darkness i saw nothing
0: and i'm sure you're well familiar with you know normal camera anomalies and artifacts that would cause strange things and you would know the difference between that and something you know unexplainable right
1: oh gosh yeah, yeah. plus i get a geiger counter hit I, I only take photos on geiger counter hits i took a lot more photos and nothing was there it was pitch dark um, there's some kind of an energy that's um, being captured. This is another example um, taken on the infrared G10. Of um, This was taken from a, from a photograph, and there's probably about 30 of these. They're, they're coming out of the ground. I suddenly got a massive hit, and no matter which direction I turned in. The guy counter was going haywire. So I basically put the, had the flash on, and I just turned around, and went chish, 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 all the way around, and I caught a whole load of these. Um, three or four of them going straight up into the sky, and these are the nearest ones to me. Um, it's the same one, the white one. I just did it in white so people could see it a bit clearer. But um, again, this, this was taken sort of um, just on a tripod in the garden. Um, when I got, just as i was going out the gate, i got massive hits and stuff. If I take the tripod out when I walk sometimes, I set it up somewhere quiet and sit there and pitch dark with a goger counter. And then as soon as I get a hit, I just take photographs. I mean, I can't see anything. Um, so do you
0: think a lot of the things that are in the sky that people are mistaken for nuts and bolts, craft, are these sort of entities, these, these life forms?
1: I'm not saying all of them because that that ring of that load of lights that you just showed that that's part of a structured craft. that's obviously invisible and it's big. It was taken above 100 foot trees. Now the actual photograph it, it's quite big. It takes up a third of the actual proper photo. Now this is the one I was talking about. This is an amoeba light form. Now this is similar to the things Trevor caught, Trevor Jones console caught. There's a lot of markings on this and things. But I took this photograph. This is a 20 second exposure. Um, but the, the photos previous to this showed nothing at all. And this was... St- there, just standing there, the next photograph um, was taken straight after this and it was I think it was a, a 10 second exposure and it's exactly the same thing. The All the markings line up but they're all extended and this seems to come further into the frame. Um, but I've captured a lot of strange things like this and um, I, there's no light source in this, it was taken in total darkness and it was very, very faint in the photograph. I could see it on the camera but when I put it on the screen, because when you take long exposures, you've got to turn down the the camera's automatic exposure compensation, otherwise any light that comes from anything, the infrared light, will overexpose. So you, you then put it on the computer and you turn it up slightly to get the color to come back out. But this is it. I caught these two, and then the rest of the photographs have nothing on it for a bit. Yeah, you so, mentioned
0: like, how like they have these amoeba-like life forms under the ocean. That's what this reminds hmm. me of, except they're just kind of floating around in the sky. And that's that's amazing. And we just can't see them. They're they're beyond the spectrum of our vision.
1: I think they do they can kind of do. I think they can be seen sometimes. I think because yeah. of, you know, electromagnetic power being put out. Now, This is one of my favourites. This was a, from a. I took a whole series. This was a thirty second exposure. It was taken in total darkness. Okay, I couldn't even see the light. Light. See, so you see the white colour of the leaves of the trees. Yes. Now that's what the inf- that's what the photo should look like, black and white, because it's the the white balance is is made using green grass, so that gives you like um, any natural light that comes in or any infrared light appears white. So. what the light should look like but these are blue um and this this is like i say this is a 30 second exposure and the picture i took before was a 20 second exposure and as you can still see this object but it's very faint and it's in a slightly different position the two um a bit further apart but i took a whole series of these um and you know and I, i felt something i really felt something this was taken about 30 foot the top of that tree is about 35 foot tall and that was taken straight up at an angle of about 70 80 degrees um, what do you no think it
0: time. is that enables these entities to be seen whenever we can see them without cameras or you know, any other equipment?
1: I would say like um, the amount of um, electromagnetic energy that's being pumped into the skies, perhaps. Yeah, this is – yeah, well, my cat – I took on a cat. Um, it was a bit of a wild cat. I took him on, um, left him to bits. His name was Roy, and uh, Roy died, and upset me a hell of a lot. So I went out to his gravesite every night, set the tripod up, and I just took loads and loads of 15, 20, 30 second exposures. I took about a thousand over a couple of months and hardly anything come out, but these came out just by the, the grave site and no flash, total darkness. I saw nothing at all. And this is a light trail, I think shooting up. And it even looks like an entity in there. It's a strange looking photo. If you sort of, obviously you can't enlarge it on there. Um, you find course, a lot of
0: these it, associated with paranormal activity? Sorry, say again? Do you find a lot of these, um, you know, these images and entities that you catch associated with somewhere that experiences paranormal uh, activity?
1: Yeah, yeah, well, it's strange because I've never filmed, I found a whole series of entities in my greenhouse window. Every time I walked with my dog past the greenhouse window, I got hit on the Geiger counter and I got this massive feeling of dread, I felt sick. So basically in pitch darkness, I just basically took a photograph and then the flash lit up the greenhouse. I saw nothing, but in the window, there was an entity the first one looked like a ghostly sort of entity in a uniform holding a lantern. Second one looked like an ET, I think it was. Third one looked like some black, dark thing with horns, it almost looked like. And the fourth one was this weird... Now, this was taken at Roy's Roy's grave again. This was taken in total darkness, 15-second exposure, one of a whole load. There's no lights in this at all. But Roy's grave site is that bit that's lit up at the bottom. All this light is a 15-second exposure. So you've got this coming out, the snake light thing. And then all of the other things that are happening within that 15-second exposure. And now the photo straight before it showed nothing at all. Pitch black. Pitch black. There's nothing in there. Taken total, total darkness, no flash. Um, so it's invisible infrared light. But you can see the, the entity. You know, you can see, you know, the snake-like entity. It's got, like, a snout in the eyes and things. And, you know, I said, show me a sign your hair, Roy. You know, because I was quite upset and took so many photographs and nothing appeared. Then this came out. And, uh the funny thing is, it came out at the time I had a lump in my throat. It was really weird. Um, I yeah, don't know whether that, that strange, made it happen or some of the emotion. I don't know. But I had a lot of paranormal stuff going on in my house um after this time. Real full on stuff, like steps, you know, people walking around in the room, things being moved and things happening, glooker counter going off every five minutes, switching itself on when I knew I switched it off and a whole load of things that really freaked me out. So I, I stopped sort of filming at ground level <laughs> going back to put me in the sky again because because you know my house yeah, on and it was affecting her and the dogs wouldn't go into my place they they would, they were on the floor growling and looking at something walking around like that and i was really started freaking out you know what i mean so <laughs> um, this is my cloud buster this is just the, the first one i built um i think i put a picture of trevor's cloud buster which is based on um the cloudbuster of dr wright which he used for weather modification for bringing rain and you know, moving weather fronts and.
0: Now, could you tell us a little bit about the Cloudbuster and how, how yeah, this. Yeah, the Cloudbuster,
1: as you see that? It's, it's a load of steel pipes. And basically, the theory is that, um, you know, the organ energy is everywhere and it jumps off things, and especially pipes and stuff. It, when it's grounded in water, what it seems to do, wherever you aim those pipes, if you aim them correctly at a pla- uh, cloud, it seems to unstick the cloud and it pulls the organ energy back in through the pipes. It, they draw pipes, basically. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't do weather engineering. I'm not you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not into weather engineering. I, I use them as a traction method because they create a charge of um, organ energy in the local area. It seems to charge up the organ energy potential in the sky and that, that draws these creatures and um, sometimes the craft-like objects to it. So, um, you know, I'm not an expert on weather modification. I mean, I know how it works and stuff, and I, you know, I don't abuse them or anything, but, um, you know, I, I've been using them as an the attraction technique, really, apart from at night when I use a Geiger counter. Um, I don't tend to film in the daytime now using Cloudbuster now. I tend to spend more time at night um, filming using the Geiger counter because it's a lot easier.
0: Now this thing will actually dissipate clouds. It's it will if t- aimed
1: accurately. Yeah, it will. Yeah. It will you aim it and I've done it, you know. Um it will That's get rid crazy. of clouds if, if wow. aimed correctly. Yeah.
0: That's fascinating. Yeah. Okay. What do we got here? Oh, so well, this is Trevor.
1: Uh, yeah, well Trevor, Trevor started off with a, a minimal cloudbuster like mine with three pipes but he he went on to bigger things as you can see um this is his willy willy wand one
0: wow
1: and and, um yeah you know he'd go into the desert and um he'd film from the desert or he'd film you know from his i think from near his house he'd do i think he he went to hollywood he did some he had a place in hollywood i think he filmed from there um this is my ultraviolet stuff um so about i filmed non-stop for a couple of years um infrared and i did capture some good stuff but I wasn't getting it near, as near as i'd like it you know And once you start trying to enlarge it you lose it and you know it's it's not the same so i bought myself a, a 330 nanometer x night 330 filter and put it onto my full spectrum um, converted sony camcorder um now when it's converted what they do i don't know i'll explain to the viewers um, The camcorders have got a blocking filter which blocks invisible light so what they do they remove that and replace it with clear quartz so you get the whole spectrum you get the infrared the ultraviolet and the visible, and then you use um, filters to block out what you want. So, for instance, I use a this ultraviolet filter and that blocks out the infrared and, uh, and the visible. So you get an almost pure um, ultraviolet picture, but um, there is a bit of a, what they call an infrared bump that occurs in the ultraviolet as well. It's around 700 nanometers, so it's not a pure one. You can get a filter to take that away and make it pure, but this is almost pure ultraviolet. Um, and this is when I began, to, I wasn't sure how to film. And by accident, I left the camera Facing the top of a of a building, and um, I, my first image I caught was like a jellyfish with tentacles on it, and I forgot to put that one on actually. It's in my book there, Quest for the Invisibles. But it kind
0: of does look like a jellyfish that first one,
1: yeah. Well, yeah, well, I had one actually like it looked like a jellyfish moving with tentacles at the front. It looked like an actual ocean-going jellyfish. Wow. Um, and I thought, oh, my God, oh, my God, that's how you film. You know, you block the sun out and you film into the sun, but don't let the sun come in too much. That's a bit high for my liking above the wall. But I generally keep the sunlight lower. And um, things move into that zone and suddenly light up just for a split second. This only fed in two frames. So th- this was, like, in fact, my second capture. And it shows clearly this object moving into the um, illumination zone and then being suddenly lit up and forming into this. And then the next frame, it's gone. So I then started, I think I did three years, filming continuously, um, every day I could.
0: What can we do to fight back against big pharma and the compromised medical industry? We can become healthy and break free from the perpetual cycle of being poisoned by criminal organizations like most pharmaceutical companies. Come check out what may be the most powerful antioxidant known to man. C60 Purple Power. The benefits of C60 have been personally outstanding. I use it every day and I feel incredible. I have tons of energy, I sleep great, and I haven't even come down with a cold since I started using C60 over two years ago. You can even get C60 for your pets. Do your own research, click the link in the description, and check out their website. If you order from that link or use coupon code Knowledge Ten, you get ten percent off your order plus free shipping. What is your health worth to you? Now, is this this is this is one of those amoeba-like entities, or is this a plasma form? Well,
1: I don't. Well, I don't know. Ultimately, I don't know. I mean, I believe these things are alive. I believe they. You know, they they feature in the infrared because they're made of heat, so they obviously you know existing in a heat-based. Um, is a substance, um, having their form expressed in heat, you know, in fourth state of matter. So I don't know. I mean, I, there's so many different sorts. Yeah, and I began catching these fish-like things. And, I mean, people talk about skyfish and rods and things and that, but a lot of these look a bit more you know, fish-like. And you can actually see the angle of the sun reflecting on this one. Um, and I found a lot of these things that I capture in the ultraviolet, they seem to be on some west-to-east flow. Right. And I remember I read about that in one of Trevor's books and Dr. Reich, you know, he, um, he talked about the, this flow, this organic flow part of the organic, what, they, what do you call it? The envelope. Well, that of the does earth.
0: look like a fish. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. No, I've got some even maybe more full on ones, but yeah. Um, so that's the first of the fish like ones. Um, this is an example of, um, how these things look. They don't make any sense. Many of them, you know, aerodynamically or kind of <laughs> look wise. Wow. Um, but some of these can change the form. But this thing came by, it appeared in two frames. I think in one frame, you could just see the bit of the propeller thing. But it just shows you how diverse some of these objects are. And they seem to be alive. A lot of them, they seem to just change the form. You know, they, they can appear as many things. But these seem to be on a lot, on a, about 90%, I'd say, of what I capture. It seems to be on this really fast-flowing, invisible flow, which goes um, from west to east. Exactly how Dr. Reich described it. I mean, I don't presume it is that as flow they're riding on. Now, this is a weird one. This is
0: yeah
1: <laughs> wow yeah this is um this is one of the stranger ones um this is going from left to right i've put obviously i've put the arrow there it looks it's half
0: just, organic and then half yeah, uh, nuts and bolts. that's crazy
1: yeah yeah You yeah. can sort of understand the right hand side what you know shooting the other way but it's going you know it's going left to right with the rods first and i actually did i managed to extract another still from this using different software and it shows the same entity but some of the rods are in a slightly different place. You can see more of them, rather, but it's a continuation. But it's taken, you know, it's the color slightly. I couldn't get the color of the background looking the same because it was from a different, taken off using a different software. But um, this is a strange one. Yeah, yeah, it always reminds me of the moon. This first bit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's got like the rods wow. coming out, you know.
0: Um,
1: yeah. Again, that's and this is an example. These are two very similar ones that were captured sort of a year apart um, using full spectrum Sony Handycam. Uh, and the ultraviolet um, pass filter. Um, here you can see I'm using this, it's, it is the same edge of roof actually, roughly the same edge of roof top that I'm using to block the sun. Um, and these yeah, things look like the with,
0: same entity.
1: You see, know, they're quite, they're a bit different actually. One of them's, the one on the right's got, the fins at the back looks slightly different. It's- They're yeah. a quarter year apart, they are similar. Yeah, yeah, there's subtle differences. Um, but these, I think these only appeared on one frame of the 25 frames per second and they found in the full sunlight. So you're not getting a stretch from it being a long exposure. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so um, I put these amazing. on here. These are some of the cards I use for my talk, from my, you know, when I do my talks and things. So yeah, um, I thought it's a good way to present them. These uh, are amazing. Oh, this a fish one for you. Yeah, this is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's so strange. I've never seen any, you know, shapes or life forms like this before. It's well, quite quite I mean, you know, the, sim- the most similar is, like you said, way at the, you know, depths of the ocean, you may see something looking strange yeah, yeah. like this.
1: Yeah. Well, the funny thing is um, I've captured a few similar ones to this, but I never saw them this way around in the detail. Um, but this is, this is kind of a one-off one um, off you one. Know, <laughs> <laughs> and this is actually, yeah, this is a moving bioform I captured in four frames and it's going from left to right. And it's like it spins. I found a lot of these things, um, they spin when they move. They spin round and round and round. So I captured a whole range of different life forms. Um, and this is, this is four, well, so these are four frames taken from it. And the bottom 1E e is a similar life form that I captured um, a bit than was that, yeah, a later on 2013. Yeah, a bit later, about five minutes later. Um, very similar to this. But this one gave you know I've caught these things before, but not not as clear as that. And this one is an example of um I set the white balance to actually green grass, and that gave me like a, a purple color and milky one. Whereas the rest of them are kind of more orangey and red. But this is this gave me not so much detail, but it's it's very milky and violet. Um, So yeah. I don't film like that that often. But again, you can see it's the same bit of roof it's going over. You can see the cobwebs and. But you know, it's a spinning entity. The live footage of this can be seen on my YouTube channel. There's a Quest for the Invisibles YouTube channel.
0: Uh, What's the YouTube channel again?
1: It's just QFti. Quest for the Invisibles, obviously. But yeah, Um, oh here's here's another one. This is yeah, I I got myself uh, another full spectrum Sony handycam, which filmed at fifty frames a second because the other one was twenty five. And this was one of my early experiments um, using this particular camcorder. And this is some kind of worm-like thing that seems to be up there, um, only appeared in one frame and kind of almost got like a chrysalis type body to it <laughs> but i mean people have filmed a lot of these things before you know worm-like entities and things but it's um if if you look at the you know the, the bit on the right you, you can actually see almost like a chrysalis like um feel to it uh,
0: right it would be amazing if you could have a way to just see through this spectrum at all times and see what's what's all around us i
1: think you'd probably be you ducking know. and diving all the time You about yeah like yeah yeah I look at this yeah this is part of a, a procession i managed to capture this creature spins this is a spinning fish um the photo, photograph after this shows a whole load of frames of it but this is the most fish-like one of the frames but this was taken on my new camcorder um using a the edge. i think the next one to it shows the whole here you go oh, wow it's going from right to left and it's actually spinning through itself and it's having it looks like a burst of energy on um, the second one on the left it's almost like it it loses its form or you know, changes in a big flurry of activity um you know, that's not an airplane underneath it it's actually a bit of spider's web that's blowing from nearby and it's blowing in the winds it's not an airplane oh, or anything um, those
0: are absolutely yeah. amazing now i i'm yeah. wondering if with with these um you know you have captured such evidence i'm wondering if there are government factions or you know secret Uh, agencies that happen to know that these exist and, and actually study these Um, because, you know, it's fairly easy. It seems that you would be able to capture these on, on, on a photograph. And if that's the case, it seems like some agency or some, you know, shadowy government faction may already know about these and uh, have for a while. What do you think about that?
1: Um, I imagine so. It doesn't surprise me. I imagine they've got their fingers into everything, you know, um, I mean obviously trevor's work's been out there since nineteen fifty eight and I know he did try to show some of his to the military but they didn't seem to be that interested at the time but oh you can bet your life that you know there's groups i imagine that are looking into all this stuff um, maybe getting an idea from looking at the people's footage but there are a lot of people just going out there filming these a lot of these things in the or things like this in the visible spectrum um sort of anomalies you know anomaly groups they're filming things quite high in the sky a lot of them look like balloon like some of them they change form and there's um, really good footage coming from all around the world, um, in the UK and Australia. There's a lot of people doing this. There's been a lot of worm-like um, creatures filmed, especially, I think, in South America. Some really great footage of them. So I think, you know, it's, I think it's becoming more and more known But imagine the government are interested in this type of thing but they probably just sit back and watch watch youtube or something watch my videos or something but yeah no it does not surprise me i've had a few problems in the past as i've talked about on other things i've been um, i had a few cars watching me and a few weird things happening and my my equipment was seized on the way on the way into america to to be turned into full spectrum um it was seized and then i immediately had cars following me and a lot of strange things happened um
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Could you uh, yeah, yeah, really, tell yeah, us a little yeah. bit more details about that? Um, how, you know, your, your stuff was seized. Yeah. Okay, so I sent, a... I
1: sent a camcorder out to get it made. My first camcorder I sent out to America, no problem um, to get it made full spectrum. Um, this next one quite an expensive camcorder actually it cost me probably about 800 quid and it was going to cost, you know, nearly a thousand pounds to get it adapted and this and I think what 1500 pound I think with all the filters anyway, um, quite expensive one, I sent it as normal, and all of a sudden um, I was tracking its progress and it came off in Kennedy Airport and said ready to go be dispatched. And then about a week later or so, I rang the company and said, oh, how's, how's my thing doing, you know? He said, oh, we haven't had it yet. I thought, hey, so I went back on there and it said it had been taken off um, for inspection, you know, and um, I kept trying to ring up. Eventually I got through someone, and they said, Oh, it's being looked at and stuff and like <laughs> um, You know, I got asked a few questions and then I went up the shop, funnily enough. Um, and as I got up the shop, I saw this car with a man and a woman in it with their backs to me. And I saw the guy on the left drop a walkie-talkie. And as I walked by, he turned to the woman. And he says, oh, that's the male. And I pointed to me. Um, it really freaked me out. I thought, oh no, shit. And I knew oh, they were talking cool. about me. And then they kept following me and my sister and stuff. And my sister went into the dentist one day and he got on the bus, like mysteriously <laughs> it's About the first or second stop out of ambulance I the first stop. and. Sort of stood there, like you know, showed apart and just stood there looking at me and really freaking me out and stuff. So, um, that went on for a bit. Um, yeah, it was a bit strange. Um, um now, have like you, it's a buster thing, it's the thing, they don't like you mucking around with etheric ter- 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 energy. I think this is just... <laughs> yeah,
0: probably you know. so. Now, uh, uh, you know, besides from the first experience you, you talked about where you got a glimpse of, of one of these, have you ever had any other strange experiences, paranormal, UFO, or, or anything like that? Yeah. yeah yeah i'd love to hear about uh some yeah well, back, yeah
1: going back to back well basically i've always had a healthy respect for the paranormal i've you know i've never never got into the occult or anything i've read a few books here and there but I never got into always a healthy respect for it and then one day well, what happened was i'll tell you this story because it's quite a key story i've been out there for years kind of asking in my mind looking up the sky asking is there's any any invisible beings or anything that wants to be in my book or show themselves a photograph so we appear. And I've been doing that for a long, long time, which later people saying, you know, people use that technique and I was doing it without even knowing, you know, I was just doing it in my own head, you know, asking, oh, are you there? You know, imagine it. And what happened was one day, my sister um, says, will you look after the dogs one day, I'm going out. The dogs are sitting on the grass and we share a bit of a driveway. And what happens was I was looked out the window and the dogs were just laying there on the ground and there's, there's like a white orb and it was going up and down their bodies and they were frozen, right? and um, really freaked me out and um, i went out and they wouldn't i picked them up and they were almost like frozen i put them back in the house sister went out left them in the house thought nothing of it went back upstairs then my sister says oh i'm going out i won't be back like for another night this is around new year's eve um so basically i went into my sister's house sat down in the front room and all of a sudden the dogs kept looking at me right and barking and i was like shut up you know and i kept turning the baskets around and saying watch telly and slowly they'd be looking around the room like that and I've got a massive uneasy feeling. I saw an orb come through the kitchen wall and travel through another wall and come by me. And then all of a sudden I got this massive feeling of dread and one of the dogs just backed into the corner and started snarling and looking at something. And the other dog just put his his hands over his face and uh, it terrible, really, really freaked me out. And that was the first time I'd experienced anything paranormal. Um, And I was thinking, oh, perhaps it's because I've asked things to come into my reality. And then, um, you know, it wasn't long after, I think when my cat died, it all really kicked off. Um, I was going out every night, you know, with my camera, taking photos, taking photos, capturing entities in the greenhouse. And then I was like, um, things were moving and weird things happened on my computer. And um, I was hearing people calling me and the doorbell would ring at three in the morning. And we got a joint doorbell just so for deliveries, me and my sister, because we live next door, but on the same land. And... Basically, you know, you've got to you can't get into that place. You've got like a big gate. You've got to go through. You know, it's not like someone's walking around. But every morning at three o'clock, the doorbell would ring three times. And my sister would hear someone knocking downstairs in the kitchen and the dogs would start barking. and You know, and that's how the paranormal side came, really, just from filming Roy and from all this stuff that was happening to me. I never intended to even film paranormal stuff. I was into UFOs. I was into the work of Constable. But it almost just happened. And it nearly drove me insane, to be quite honest with you. Um, I ended up having to get rid of a mirror because I thought I saw an entity in it. The dogs were barking at it. And um, I ended up, you know, painting it black and burying it. And it really freaked me out at the time because I, you know, myself purposely kept away from any occult-type things. And, I, you know, I was getting weird dreams and, um, you know, a whole list of things was happening. And it, it, was, it was very unsettling, really.
0: Do you think that the just... entities that were, that you were experiencing were... Uh, spirits of humans, or possibly something else, some different types of entities. Um, you know, it's from your
1: personal. Um, if you look at the picture of my cat, the one I took with my cat, it was like a snake-like entity coming out. I was saying, like, you know, Roy, Roy, can you give me a sign man, that, that you're still around? And his whole grave site lit up, and he'd been dead by that time about five days or so. And there's not, you know, there's no candles there, nothing. It's taken in pitch darkness, and the photo before is pitch dark. You can't see anything. Honestly, no light source in that photo. 15 second exposure and all that stuff is going on it's like a head's coming the head shape's coming down from the sky and then something's coming up from his grave and turning into a snake and then there's almost like a half tree half human like entity which you can't see that clear on that version of it but it's coming out the ground like out from like a circular portal and that was all happening within 15 seconds and um so i don't know i mean I, i was thinking oh is that my cat is that something but I don't know, because I was in a bit of a state emotionally. You know, I don't mind admitting it. You know, I I love that cat to bits. You know, I took him in from a wild cat, um, saved his life a couple of times because he got ill and adored him, you know, and then um, he just died. He got so thin, got cancer. Had to get him put down. Absolutely killed me. So I just kept going out there for evidence, really. And I feel like um, probably the mental state I was in may have attracted negative beings who perhaps feeding on that energy.
0: Yeah, that that makes sense.
1: Now, Um, you said you've also... Yeah. I, said, I, I don't know. See, I don't, I haven't talked to many, many people about it really, but I'd like to think it was my cat, that snake-like object, but I, I, I mean, I took a whole series of other photos as well um, that I didn't show tonight. One of them was like a little orb of a man, and this was taken with no light, and he was like screaming at me, like as if to say, shut up, and little face on him, and I was like, oh shit. You know? Wow. Um, and a few other little sort of things as well. Yeah, there's a few, few things, um, just odd, odd things. That and you happened.
0: said you, you've also captured portals? opening
1: yeah i captured some kind of portal opening in the sky and it was um it was like a bluey color that it went green and it went pink and you saw all the colors of the rainbow Yet yeah, this is taken in like infrared and the filter actually blocks out everything up to the red at the end of the visible light spectrum which occurs just before the um well it's a barely visible red that appears just before the the, um, the infrared so all your blues and everything down the other end uh, shouldn't even be showing um you know, those entities—they were blue, which is good. It's like like the the organ, the color of organ. Um, it, it, I think Dr. Wright found that uh, it illuminated blue in a vacuum. Now it, it's blue when it's excited.
0: Now, you being a photographer, I'd love to ask you about orbs because, you know, I, I have a, a lot of paranormal investigators on and people who, who talk about mm-hmm. that, you know, they take pictures of orbs. And I don't know. I don't know if this is just a dust or just some kind of camera artifact. What, yeah, you know, yeah. what are your thoughts on orbs? Well, I've, I've
1: experimented a lot. I've got some um, CCTV footage of, um, of, 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 of orbs moving in the infrared, actually moving and stopping. And one of them stops in front of me and comes up really slow. And that is a proper orb that's trying to change shape. But I also noticed that when I take photographs with a flash in the rain, you get loads of orb like things. And I was convinced really for a long time that they were specks of, um, I think a lot of them were specks of moisture. Um, but the thing is, I've seen some of them have got like an effect inside them. I and mean, I've actually seen phases on some of them. And I photographed orbs in the darkness, right? With no flash, pitch dark, like this example I said with this guy with the face on it. Um, and they were, so I, I convinced that, you know, these entities, you know it's probably the best way. F- well, I mean, it is the best way to travel in, in, in an orb in a circ in a you know spherical shape. So, imagine energy travels, imagine dead humans travel around in this reality. And I imagine it's, it's, a, it's a good way for energy to travel around. But I think some, you know, some of these orbs, I think you're only catching them because they're being lit up by the by the flash. You take photographs without a flash, you won't really see orbs unless they're self illumined and they can be very interesting, the ones that seem self-illumined. You even capture them obviously with a flash, but some look different. But I think a lot of things make orbs. And, and it wasn't until I caught this footage of these white orbs actually coming up and responding to me, and oh, that's on my website actually, it's on, um, on the YouTube channel actually. There's um, some, I think it's, it's, it's a bit of footage showing an orb and it comes up really, really slowly and it just, it's just right in front of me, looking at me. It comes to sort of head height and uh, I think I'll show the frame separately. So that there is some reality to the orb thing, um, but I think there's so many other things that can look like orbs, even reflections from the camera lens sometimes when it catches light. You can get orb-like things. You've got to be very, very careful. This is why I photograph in the black, in the dark. Um, and this is why I photograph really most of the time using a, a Geiger counter. Because I'm only taking photographs on instrumental detection. Um, I mean, the GRCU, there's 25 members, this Italian group, which was led by um, Luciano Bacconi. They photograph some fantastic, some fantastic things. and. Um, they had a book, um, UFO Lariat to Nascosta, which is very, very rare and it was written in Italian only. only. I managed to get a, a copy. Um, I think it's only about a thousand or so made, but they got some fantastic um, pictures in there. But they all had different things. Some of them had like temperature indicators, some had like guide counters, others were using um, infrared detectors, ultraviolet detectors. They were using a whole range of different things and a whole lot of them would shoot in the direction to where they were getting the hits. And these things would register on, on multiple instruments. Um, but I can't get bogged down because I'm doing this myself. Um, you can't get bogged down with too much technology because if you're having to think, you've got to have a clear mind and you, you've got to, you know, you've got to have that intent there. And you, if you're having to keep mucking around with things, I find a guy counter in one hand pointing like that when I'm walking a dog or just standing there and the camera either around my neck or on there in complete silence or something, I can focus. But if I'm having to reach for somewhere else, and it's just going to take you, you know, your, your focus away, really. So that's the problem.
0: Well, That's while we're sweet. talking about this, maybe you could give uh, people who are interested in doing their own pictures and filming uh, to try and capture some of these. What are what are some tips or techniques that you could let them know if they they want to try and capture these themselves? Um, buy the book, <laughs> no.
1: Um, <laughs> good tip. No, yeah. no. There is, there is some tips in there, but um, my website contains a lot of tips on there. There's um, quite if you, if you have a good look at the website that I've done. Um, it took me a while to do that. I mean, it's not like some.
0: Yeah, i'll have know, the link to that in the right. description actually if anyone wants to yeah. go and check that out there's um, the
1: sections in there there's actually sections on infrared um ufo photography ultraviolet ufo photography it explains the spectrum it explains this that, and everything else and um there's several sections on that of various evidences like entity photographs there's you know, the pictures that you've seen tonight a lot of them are on that um but i don't think the blue ones aren't on it yet they're, they're in the paper i also wrote the the paper. it's, the paper's worth looking at the two the two-part paper which i co-wrote with leon southgate um, it was in defence of Trevor James Constable after somebody claimed that his photos were nothing more than um, you know, marks on the emulsion, um, you know, without giving it a real argument. So um, I decided to get together and write a paper. We, this was a tiny little article this guy wrote and we responded with a 17,000 uh, word, uh, two part paper and got permission to use Constable's best of phot- photographs of Constables and the GRCU. So, um, it's in two parts. In the first part is um, constables' work and the GRCU, and a really nice picture by uh, a Romanian guy called uh, Florian Georgica. And part two is the UK evidence, and it fits certain criteria which are stated upon you know the paper. But it's actually published online at uh, the Journal of uh, Psychiatric Organ Therapy (JPO). Um, I think I don't know if I sent. I'm not sure if I sent you the link for that or not, but.
0: Um, yeah, I think I you did. Positive,
1: in... Yeah. Positive. It's called, if you just Google, it's called positive findings on constables, organotic bioforms. Yeah, yeah you part, did. I'll, part, I'll put that part.
0: in there too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: that, that, that's got probably the best. footage Cause a lot of this footage by the GRCU, it's in this book that is barely, I think about a thousand of them are so made. And it's very, very rare. I paid 350 pound for this um, back in 2011. It's an A4 book and very, very, very rare. And people don't get to see this. So I thought, well, you know, it'd be nice to stick up for constable as he's not here anymore. Um, and I think most of all the GRCU are dead as well. I thought it'd be a good idea to put that together and it, it covers 60 years of um, of evidence, starting in 1957 with Trevor Jones Constable, going through the mid-70s, early 80s with the GRCU, and then continuing with my work from 2010 until present day. So you're talking 60 years of of um, you know of footage and photographs showing that this stuff is real. So the, the best pictures, if you really want to get into this subject of biological UFOs, best thing is to do is to really, you know. Either look at the book that I've read or or look at this um this two page, or two part even um, paper um, positive finding on on Constable's Organotic biforms. Um, there's some really great photos in there. Um, the GRC captured loads of great things, and they, you know they're hardly heard of by anybody. I'd never heard of them. I mean, i hadn't even heard of Constable until yeah. a friend told me about him, and I'd bought plenty of UFO books. Um, so I was as surprised as anyone when you know when I found out there were these living entities. And that's what I saw that night. It just, it just blew me away so much because I was probably conditioned to thinking that these things were extraterrestrial craft and that's all they could ever be.
0: Right. Yeah. It, it gives a whole new way of looking at some of the things that we're seeing in the sky. And Nick, I want to thank you again for coming on tonight. That was fascinating pictures, fascinating awesome. information. Yeah. <laughs> um, everyone should go check out the website. I'm going to leave that in the description. Before you go, I want to get your thoughts on um, the past three, four years, we've had, you know, an uptick in talk about UFO phenomenon in the mainstream media. We have the Tic Tac video, the Mua space probe coming through that AV Loeb says, yeah, it's an alien space probe. And, you know, Trump signing the uh, release of documents into the COVID bill, all this weird UFO stuff that has just hit the mainstream and seems to be this strange agenda that's trying to be pushed upon us. What do you think is going on? Do you think it's some sort of preparation or misinformation? Um, any thoughts on it? Well, firstly, I find that the TikTok footage quite funny
1: because, you know, I've been filming this kind of stuff for years. So it's Trevor James Constable and uh you know i sat there thinking you know the big revelation and i looked at it i thought gosh mate, look at some of my stuff you know not being baguette but you know the stuff up there look at trevor's stuff That's nothing big you know and i certainly don't think it's an alien spacecraft i think i mean i'll tell you something about these entities i mean i I've, I've got it down that now I, there are craft like entities but many of them that i've seen are actual well they're craft like objects but they're actual entities and they can look like craft they can split into two as lights they can come back together they can grow. I, I filmed there's an example, a really good example, actually, on my um, YouTube channel. It's called Strange Visible Craft, and it's this strange craft that I saw vis- visibly in the air. And When I zoomed in, it was like a giant egg and it had radar dishes on it. And you actually see it because I zoomed right in with this really good camcorder. And um, I filmed some of the things like this before. I've seen, well, I've seen them, not actually film them because of the tall trees, but I've seen these, these dishes disappear and then just look like a little egg again. And then they just go into like light. So they seem to be beings they're not ships. So I think a lot of things that people are seeing when they look up into the skies are probably plasmatic beings or, or these the sky beings or sky creatures, but I believe there are craft out there, but I don't see why craft would be flying around, you know, over neighborhoods just flashing the lights on and off just, you know, to say hi, but I'm not sure it could be just for information. I mean, you know, I've I started off looking into the Stephen Greer thing and this, that and the other, but they didn't seem to ever come out with much evidence, you know, and, and Quest Invisible started in 2010 I, you know this thing's been running alongside and i've captured so much evidence just in the infrared and i'm just a guy with a camcorder and a camera and the will to do it and there's thousands of other people capturing stuff but you know they don't have websites and they don't pursue it perhaps as much as me and don't push it but you know i'm, I'm not the only person out there doing this and most people are getting evidence but it does make me wonder whether they're pushing it towards making everyone think that it is a craft these are right. crafts you know, yeah get i've wondered of that too that didn't yeah.
0: make me very popular then. <laughs> <laughs> Right, yeah. Cause uh, you know, I, I look at I look at the um the extra dimensional or the, the side of the super spectrum that we can't see often as, you know, a possible um, answer to what we could be seeing in the sky and all around us. It seems to be in some way connected to paranormal phenomenon, yes, uh, you yes, know, yes. so yeah. all these That's things being true. connected, you have to look at every angle and you can't just look at the nuts and bolts, you know.
1: I became convinced quite a while ago that um, the paranormal and UFO thing are connected in some way. I believe that a lot of these entities and maybe some of the craft that come in are interdimensional. They're coming from different realities, not necessarily, you know, different physical um, places. But then you put into that all the ancient god things coming down, and the evidence that shows that you know it looks like that these, you know, these god were gods were beings that came down were track one, not so much space travelers traveling through and going, oh, let's go to Earth, but part of a much, you know, some kind of a thing. And that goes again in with the fallen angel thing in Christian philosophy, where these beings came down and taught, you know. Women, uh, you know, beautification, men, armory, and gave them knowledge of the planets. So it, it all falls in, looks like that that's so. I'm not disputing that happened, and I'm very into that kind of thing. And the fact that strange creatures are being seen more and more, like dog men and other things like that, you know, that's something I'm very interested in. And it just, I don't know, it's, um, it all seems very sort of intertwined as far as I can see. Um, yes definitely
0: I, I would agree um i think it is all intertwined i think it's all connected in some way and uh yeah. again those those pictures you you shared were fascinating um i can't wait for everybody to see yeah. those and your website again is questfortheinvisibles.co.uk
1: yeah .co.uk
0: okay yep and i will have a link to that in the description as well and nick thank you so much again for coming on tonight that was awesome information i'd love to have you back on in the future we could talk about so much more
1: yeah, sure, Chris. Yeah, no, it'd be a pleasure.
0: Yeah. All yeah, right, no we're well, great. Well, until next time, everyone else, have an excellent evening. We'll see you soon. Right now is the most critical time for us to take back control of our food supply and become self-reliant by having our very own food forest. Transform your yard into a food forest and create a system of self-reliance that's easy and enjoyable with our friends at Food Forest Abundance. No matter where you're starting from, you can become more self-reliant. You can take your self-reliance to the next level by becoming a producer of your own food through growing and foraging. Learn how to turn your property into an income-producing source of economic self-reliance. If you're ready to go off-grid, click the link in the description and use coupon code Forbidden for discounts on your very own food forest with Food Forest Abundance.